Welcome to the Our Destiny Podcast. So, so there are five particular types of people that God has given to the church. Prophets, pastors, apostles, evangelists, and teachers. And their, their gifts and their role actually isn't to do all the prophesying or the evangelism or the pastoring or the teaching or the, what's left, apostling. Um, <laughs> they, they are actually there to teach the people how to do that, right? So your pastors aren't meant to be doing the, all the pastoring they are, but they're meant to raise up pastors. The prophets obviously prophesy, but they're meant to raise up the prophets, um, prophet, prophetic people. Evangelists aren't there to do all the evangelizing. They are to teach the people and equip the people and help the people to evangelize. And the teachers are there to equip the people in the knowledge of God's word so that they have an understanding of what the truth is so that they can run with the truth and um, grow in the knowledge of, of what God is saying. Are you with me? So you've, you've looked at, I'm assuming you've looked at prophets already when you did the prophecy week. I wasn't here, so uh, usually we cover it, but I, I'm guessing you did. Because there's a difference between Old Testament prophet and New Testament prophet. You've looked at that. Do you remember what the difference is? So, what's the role of prophecy now? See, you've not forgotten everything. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, just testing. I just want to, I'm not going to go into it all and say if you already know it, it's completely reinventing the wheel. I'm not recording. I was holding it out because I was asking questions. I was hoping it would pick up. It won't pick any book. No, you have to pass it. You need to like hold it. Oh, so that's a waste of time then, wasn't it? Okay. So the people sat at home just never heard anything of that. You'll hear it, but it's not full volume. Okay. Oh, sorry for those that are listening at home. Or those that are not listening at home. <laughs> 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 I wasn't holding the microphone correctly. Okay, so we're looking at the fivefold ministry gift and their role. Their role is here to equip the saints, not to do all the work, right? Um, and okay, so who are the saints? We are the saints. Saints means holy. 
It means sacred. It means someone that has been set apart for God. Okay, that's what holy means. That's what saint means. It doesn't mean someone that is sainted 100 years after they've died. Okay, it's someone who's living and breathing now and has the ability then to carry God's holy presence. Okay. What I find fascinating is Paul always called those who believed in Jesus Christ saints, regardless of the issue he was then about to go on to correct. So, you know, for example, in Corinthians, when he's dealing with issues of adultery or, um, you know, battles in the church where people have fallen out and he was trying to correct them and stop them from bickering and trying to get them to be united, he always started by calling them holy which I find is amazing because actually it's not about us, is it? Just a reminder, it's about who God is and what he's done for us through Christ. Okay, so so the fivefold ministry. And if you're going to go into like church leadership, you will be part of that fivefold ministry. Um, and you'll need to just ask God, you know, what, what will my role be? What is my calling? Who, who you know, what, what am I doing? But your role will be to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. Your role will be to help the people in your, who come under your leadership to be equipped in how to use the gifts of the Spirit. So what are the gifts? How do we use them? You know, what, what's word of knowledge? What do I do if I get a word of knowledge? How do I... How do I you know, use it, what do I do with it? So, so your role will be to, to teach that because we have the responsibility collectively of bringing heaven to earth. And that's the exciting thing. I had um, a conversation with someone years ago now and it turned into a bit of a debate um, simply because I'm, I'm a bit of a stickler when it comes to words and when people misuse words it irritates me and he my friend made this sweeping statement he said oh there's no such thing as a sacred secular divide anymore and I've looked at him and I'm like what and I said to him, what do you mean there's no such thing as a sacred secular divide? Are you with me when I, you know what I mean by those two words, right? Have you ever heard anyone say that there's no sacred secular divide? You've not heard it? Okay. What he was saying was, there's no difference between those who are working in the church and those who aren't, was what he was trying to say. But by using the word sacred secular divide, saying there wasn't one he got it completely wrong because the word secular you've heard the word secular right that means to have no regard for god so to keep god out of the equation don't want anything to do with god okay so secular sacred means holy it means set apart for god so so what my friend was saying was there's no such thing as Someone, the different, there's no such difference between someone who doesn't want to know God and someone who's set apart for God. And actually, there's a big difference. 
Okay, so there's a difference between sacred and secular, and there always has been. So the role of the church, the role of you and I, is to bring the sacred into the secular, right? And to change the secular so that it reflects the sacred. And that's the whole point of the church. And I love, I love the fact that Jesus used the word church, although the original word that we translate into church, the original word was ecclesia. Um, I love that, that he, he decided to use that. He didn't use the word empire or he didn't use the word army. He used the word ecclesia, which means assembly, which is a group of influencers. Um, the Romans were like really quite a powerful um, empire, but they didn't obliterate every town and city that they went to. They changed the culture, so it reflected Rome. So, so like all around the empire, there were many versions of Rome itself. And the way they did that was they sent in an, an assembly, a group of people who had influence, you know, doctors, lawyers, politicians, whatever. They'd take that group of people and they'd send it into the new place that had been taken over. And that group of people would change the culture of the society so that it reflect Rome. It was only those that rebelled against that that um, had the problem, like Jerusalem rebelled. So that was a bit of a, a problem there, you know, like. But most of the time... And for a lot of people, the Roman Empire actually improved their lives. If you think about what happened in Chester and, and all that, you know, it became quite a great city because Rome took over and, and you got Chester, the, the baths and, and all that. They, they did a good job at the infrastructure and getting it looking like Rome. Okay, there's, there's roads in England that are still now, today, Roman roads, you know, the long straight roads. They come back, they date back from Rome. And so obviously Jesus is, is now sort of, he's, he's explaining, okay guys, I will build my ecclesia. He's saying, I will build my church and on, my, on me, the rock, right? Nothing, nothing and no one will be able to stand against my church, my ecclesia, right? My assembly, my group of people that are going to change society. That's what he was saying. So the idea is that the church, regardless of where they are or what they're doing, the sacred people move into a secular society to change the environment and bring it to a place where they are regarding God, where they become sacred itself. So you can have a sacred bin man. Bin man? Um, you can have a bin man. Yep, bin or woman, you can have sacred Tesco cashiers. You can have sacred, and you can have secular churches. Can I say that? Am I allowed to say that? Okay, because churches that don't focus on what God wants and are not like they're not they're not sacred. If that makes sense, 
Whereas, so you could, it's all about who is focusing on what. It's all about um, following God. Zechariah 4 verse 6 says this. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. It's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. And that's where the gifts come in. We, we can't change society by ourselves. The church can't change society by its, just on its own, in using its own little programs, doing its own little traditions and its own little ways. We've seen churches try with very little effect. What we need is real, true ecclesia to step in. We need people who are carrying the gifts of the Spirit, working with the gifts of the Spirit, um, taking those gifts into into wherever they are, into the schools, into the colleges, into the government, into wherever it is. People need to carry those gifts. And as leaders in the church, that would be our responsibility to help those people take those gifts and use them. It's all about being like Jesus. Which brings me to the fruit. which is Galatians 5.22 is the reference for that. And I think, I think this is more really what I think God wants me to talk about today. Um, so what I've just said is by means of introduction, I think. Because it's all meaningless if we don't have the gifts of the Spirit. And being able to use, uh, sorry, the fruit of the Spirit, and being able to use the gift of the Spirit, we need to have the fruit. Otherwise, we, we don't have what it, the character to be able to carry the gifts well and to use the gifts well. And so let's have a look at the, the, gift, the fruit in detail. The first one is love. Paul says, without love, I'm, I'm just like a, 
resounding clanging cymbal. I was in India and um, they were doing this like festival at the time and the the temple up the road was clanging a gong for about two hours and it was sounded horrendous. It's like dong 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 for a whole two hours. Never it got to the point where I felt like screaming at it, you know, like, and the windows were shut and everything, and you could still hear this gonging. But it made me realise that actually, regardless of what I do or don't do, if I don't have love, whatever I do, I'm just sounding like that. And there's no point, really, is that, you know, like, trying to do anything without love. But the good news is that, and, and we know this, I'm going over this, and I'm sure... You've heard this before on this school, but it is actually all about the love of God in us. 1 John 4 verse 7 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. And anyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And 1 John 4 19 says, We get to love because he first loved us. So the first, the first thing that we need to do is we need to allow fruit to grow in us. And, and the wonderful thing about fruit is that all it has to do is grow. Like, it, the fruit doesn't have to say, right, I need to find some food. Right, I need to find some water. All it has to do is remain on the tree to grow, okay? So we want to grow in love. And the way we do that is to continually receive love and let the love of God grow in us. The next one is joy. comes from um, the word that means rejoice, which means to jump up and down and get excited. That's what joy means. And, and that's a fruit, okay? Joy, joy is a fruit that grows. And what's interesting with the word, word joy as well is that it has the same root word as the word for grace which means favourably disposed. So, so there's a connection between the grace and between joy. It's not something that, you know, you, you go to a party, you have a bit of fun and you get excited, but that, that la- doesn't last. Whereas the joy that comes from God lasts whether you're at the party or not. And, and that's what we want to allow to grow inside of us. And again, it's a fruit. It's something that we receive, not something that we have to make happen. It's a, I need your joy right now. Um, I remember just going through a difficult time, um, 2012, I think it was, when my grandparents died, and they died within four days of each other. And so there was a lot of upset and, and a lot of tears. Yes, we were grieving, but there were also moments of hilarity and, and you know, like laughter, and you could feel that, that joy, that strength. 
And one of those moments was when we went into the, the bungalow. Um, and my mum had said to me, can you just find, you know, something that you want to keep for yourself, a couple of ornaments or something, and then you take them and then before we clear everything away. So I chose a couple of things and, and I felt emotional and I started to cry. So mum came over and, and gave me a hug. And then mum's friend came over and she also gave me a hood, hug. And so the three of us are stood in the room hugging, except problem was I was at chest height to them and so (laughs) yeah yeah because I'm only small right so so I've got the and I started to laugh at that and then for about I don't know how long a good 20 minutes we just stood there laughing that was joy in the midst of distress and pain and 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 I, I I believe God was in that. I believe that God was bringing that joy, that release, that, that strength, because joy is strength. It brings strength to you, your emotion, to your, your body. And, and again, that is a fruit. It's something that we receive. We don't have to make happen, but we need to be open to it. I need your joy, Father. Let your joy grow in me. Peace. The definition for peace is mutual harmony, freedom from strife or dissension, freedom from anxiety, tranquility, quietness or silence, untroubled and content. And it includes, the Greek includes peace of mind, health and welfare. And the Hebrew, again, is shalom. And that also means completeness, goodness, soundness and welfare. So peace isn't the absence of difficulties necessarily, but it's that inner strength, that inner hope, that, that inner tranquility that is there regardless of what's going on that soundness and welfare jesus says i my uh, peace i leave you my peace i give you i do not give you as the world gives do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid when i was out in africa one time i was teaching the children um, about peace and about how Jesus calmed the storm. Um, and we had the tables out and we had the tables upside down and we'd made the tables into a boat and, and the kids were all, act, you know, a group of the kids were acting it out and they're having a great time. And, and then I was teaching them, you know, like sometimes stuff happens in our life that is a bit like a storm. We might not be on an actual storm, out on an actual sea, it feels like there's a storm in our mind because all these thoughts and fears and things are happening around us. And how Jesus stood in the boat and just said to the storm, peace, be still. And the, the storm stopped and the waves calmed down. I mean, it's amazing, you know, that when, when there was that tsunami the other year, it took several hours before the waves stopped. You know, like they didn't stop straight away because once waves are going they're going for ages after the storm has passed whereas jesus said peace be still and the whole thing immediately 
became peaceful. So I was explaining this to the kids and, and I'm like, you know what? You can, you can speak peace into your circumstances, over your body, over your mind, and, and you can be at peace. A few months later, um, I, <laughs> I had a little personal storm and found a little press lump. Turned out to not be anything too serious. It was just a cyst that needed training and it was all sorted. But the reason I'm sharing that story is because there was a moment where I had a storm going off in my head, right? I'm about to go to the clinic. I'm about to have one of those mammogram things. Um, I was about to, yeah, I was, I was about to experience, you know, waiting on results. Is this serious? Is it not? And, and I could feel the fear rising up inside of me and to the point where as I'm washing my hair and I'm thinking, I could lose my hair. That frightened me more than anything, actually. You know, like, and, and I was just, I was all in a, when suddenly Holy Spirit reminded me of what I taught the kids. It's like you taught the kids to say peace to the trouble. So, so I stood in the room and I said, okay, peace be still. Fear be gone, peace be still. And, and this like wave of peace flooded over me. It was really quite powerful. And my mind settled right down immediately. And it was like this, this bubble that wrapped all around me. And for the entire day, and, you know, going through all the tests and then sitting down with the consultant and getting the results and all that, I just felt peace. And that's the testimony, really, you know, like that, that you can take authority and use the peace that has given you. It's a gift. It's a fruit. It grows inside of you and it's there already. I have a photograph and I've left it at home, which I'm very annoyed about. But it's, it's of a tiny orange tree. The tree's about this big. And I've got hold of the oranges in my hand. And they're only about that big. But it's fruit and the fruit is growing. And so, what, you know, wherever you feel like you're at right now with regard to the fruit of the Spirit, if you're connected to the tree, the fruit will be there. Just need to let it grow. Okay, let it grow. And often we let things grow by exercising them. You know, just, just that whole, I have peace, I'm accessing it right now. I have love, I'm accessing it right now. I need a bit more love for this person or whatever it is. I'm accessing it right now. It's there, the fruit is there inside me. And that goes for patience as well. Patience. The word there for the Greek means long-suffering. Life doesn't always go our way. And especially in leadership, you will discover that the fruit of patience will be necessary when, when working with people, whether that's in the church or not. Whatever you're doing in leadership, you, you're going to need patience. And that's a fruit. It's not something you have to make happen by yourself. You just need to access it. Kindness.
The Greek word there is, uh, if I can say it right, krestos, krestotes, something like that. That means upright. Upright, uprightness, goodness, excellent, gentleness, and kindness. That's a fruit. Being kind to people. And we've talked about culture of honour already, haven't we? We've talked about that being the glue for building up all the levels of leadership. Um, kindness is part of that. And again, it's a fruit. It's something that we, we pull on and we access. Goodness. God is good, isn't he? You know, um, he can be nothing but good. And we get to reflect that. As his fruit grows in us, we will be good people. Christians should be the goodest people on the planet. That's a word, right? We should be the kindest people on the planet. It's interesting that, that some of us, we don't, we don't display these fruits all the time. You know, like it, you hear of Christians being nasty to one another and arguments and disappointments and, and, and all this. And you just think, oh, but it's a fruit that we have access to. It's something that should be growing inside of us. And if, if we as leaders learn to let these grow and teach our people and encourage our people to let them grow, then we could create a society of people full of the fruit of the Spirit, not only within a church setting, but then to spread that out into society, bringing heaven on earth. Faithfulness. That, that, um, the original word there literally means faith. And what I find interesting about, the word, about that word is that it's not only a fruit, it's also a gift. So it's something that, that grows inside of us. And yet, I think, you know, Holy Spirit gives us the gift of faith for certain circumstances. But there's always faith there. Jesus said to me that um, if you have faith like a mustard seed... You can say to a mountain, be uprooted and cast into the sea. And I was looking at mustard seeds, um, doing a bit of research on them and discovered that although it's really tiny, once it's planted and once it starts to grow and once it gets established, it's really difficult to get rid of. Um, it spreads and it's a really strong big bush or tree um, that animals can shelter in people and that you know you can take the seed you can make mustard you can use it for all kinds of things um it's a it's quite a powerful thing but it, i believe it's really difficult to get rid of so so like people who have tried to dig up because you dig it up and if you don't get every part of the root it sprouts back up again um so so i believe that once faith starts to grow inside of us it is there 
it's difficult to get rid of. And even if there are times of where we feel doubt and we're not sure, we can access the faith that's already there. And like Jesus said, we can say to a mountain, be out of the way, get out of the way, because we have faith. And it's faith that is there. It's faith that we have access to at all times because we are on connected to the tree and the tree has given us life. And gentleness and self-control. Can someone read John 15, verse 1 to 8, please? Okay, so Jesus was giving us the key there to being like him, to being his disciples, and, and that was basically to remain in the vine, to remain in him, to be in him, so that his life can continually flow through us and, and produce the fruit in, in us. Does anybody have any examples of times when, when you have experienced the fruit actually operating? Um, 
was like, because of me, because I've been such a hard, and it was like, there was those moments during that time where like, I just was reaching my wit's end, where I was like, can't lose anymore, like, it's too much, and like, this just, and like, this piece, I'd like, piece I'm the joy, did just like, creep in, and, and just like, settle me down, and it was really like, there's a lot of very supernatural times for me, when like, you know, just God like relentlessly showing me that like there was still hope and there was still like, you know, and that this wasn't meant for me. Like, you know what I mean? It was like even when I wasn't looking to him, like he was always pursuing me like that mm-hmm. whole time. And just like reminding me that I was still as much as I wasn't looking at him, like I was still grafted onto the vine despite the fact that like <laughs> I didn't maybe didn't want to be or like, and so yeah, Like what you said there, that it was a decision by me to grow in the joy and that. And I think that that's what it means to abide in the vine. It's that decision to say, yes, this fruit, that I I need this fruit to grow inside of me. I need to be kinder, so I'm going to allow the fruit of kindness to grow inside of me. I'm feeling um, anxious, so I need the fruit of peace to grow inside of me. I'm. No, it's true. Yep, and I think I think that's that's an interest, very like interesting thing that you've just said there, in that we can't produce fruit by ourselves. Um, I don't think an orange has to strive to be an orange. You know, it's on the tree. It's not saying, I've got to be an orange. 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 Like, it just sits there while it grows. You know, like, and it just becomes. Um, the grapes aren't, like, on the vine going, I've got to be a grape. I've got to be a grape. You know, like, they, they are just growing. And that and that's the decision you make. It's just be. 
And I think, you know, I know this is meant to be a leadership talk, um, but if we don't get this as leaders, then we're not really going to be able to help our people get it either. So let's get it. Let's be people who abide in the vine so that we are growing. I, I've got a quote here. Grace empowers us to become something. And when we become something, we behave something. Or behave like something. And when we behave like something, we do something. And when we do something, we achieve something. It's like it's that whole... All we need to do is receive, and out of that receiving comes the behaviour, comes the change, comes the, the outcome of the fruit in us. And that's how we achieve heaven on earth. We allow the fruit to grow and we abide in the vine. Part of that abiding is making a decision, like you say, yes to this gift, yes to abiding, yes to you, Jesus, yes to your presence, yes to what you're doing. It's, and it's as simple as that, really. Any further examples? I was um, listening to um, a teaching by a guy called Steve Backland. Oh, it's a couple of years ago now. I was doing the leadership thing from Bethel. And um, he was talking about joy and the fact that joy is linked to hope. And if we don't have hope, we don't have joy. And if we don't have hope, it's because we believe in a lie. And often it, it's about, you know, how we receive the fruit and how the fruit grows in us depends on what we're actually believing at the time as well. So it, it actually comes back to the point of making a decision to let the fruit grow. Um, so I was listening to this thing and he was saying, you know, like, often there's, if it, and what was it he quoted? Something along the lines of, if there's an area of your life where you're not, glistening with hope then you believe in a lie in that area um, and I remember just in that moment oh, oh let me just say before that um, I I'd had to listen to a tape where they were there's a lot of laughter on it and because I was doing the course and I wanted to tick the box I had to endure this tape um, and I say endure you were supposed to join in with it, but I was sat there going, how do you make yourself laugh? You know, like, ha, 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 this isn't working. And and it was like, I'd just done that whole thing and, and the whole week was on, on joy and laughter and I'm like, this really isn't working very well for me. So and then, then I'm listening to this other tape and he's talking about this area, what areas of your life aren't glistening with hope. And when I, when I came to... Um, 
the end of the, the thing, they, they did the appeal. And because I, even though I was in my lounge, I decided to follow the appeal. So if I needed to answer it, I answered it, if that makes sense. So they made this appeal. If there's an area of your life where, where you're not glistening with hope, talk to God about it now. So I, and they invited people to come forward. So I stood up as if I was coming forward. I'm like, okay, God, there is an area. I, I'm frightened of the future. There's an area, you know, like I'm frightened of getting older and being alone. And I've no hope for that area. Therefore, I don't have joy in the area of that, that part of my life. So, so I, I'm like, okay, what's the lie behind that? And, and the lie that I was believing was that God was only going to, it's crazy, but God was only going to be there when I'm doing stuff for him. You know, like that whole, he's it, provided for me now because I'm in ministry, and, but what happens when I retire? You know, is that going to end once I've retired? Um, and but the lie was that it's going to end once I've retired, and and God's like, no, it's not going to end. So so I repented of that lie, you know, like, and I chose to believe the truth. And as I did this, that it was like a it sounds a bit dramatic, but it was like a lightning bolt hit me, and it was a bolt of joy that I like I I like I said. I'd tried to listen to that tape and I'd tried to laugh and I'd tried to get happy and it wasn't really working. But here I am now, I'm talking to God about my future. I'm, I'm asking him for the truth and the truth is like, of course, he's never going to leave me, is he? Ever. Like, he's going to sort stuff out for me right till the time he brings me home to heaven. And suddenly the joy hit me and, and it, it was kingdom joy, you know, like it was true joy. Again, just like, you know, one, one of my being smothered between my mum and my friend. That, that joy that comes, that strength. And, and I must have, I mean, I dropped to the floor and I must have laughed for about 45 minutes or so. Just, just that whole, I got released in that area of my life. And it was, it was just like the fruit growing. It was there, but it was just like being pushed down and it just needed to be released. And it was lies that was holding it back. And so, so it's, it, you know, like if there's an area where you're not growing in the fruit or the fruit is being pushed back, just have a talk, conversation with God about it and say, God, what's holding it back? You know, what is the, some area of my life where I'm not believing the truth, where I'm not following, you know, what, what it is that you're saying about me and I'm not believing that. And then find out what lies you believe in and switch it to the truth and then walk in the truth that God's got for you so that the fruit can be released. Because it's there, it's like I say, an orange that big is still an orange. But it's as we, we begin to just allow it to grow, it'll become a nice big juicy big fruit that we can give away. Maybe we could just spend a few minutes talking to God individually. So if you just ask him, you know, like, there's is an area of my life where, where fruit's not growing so well. It feels like I'm lacking in that fruit. I'm just asking the question, is there a lie that I'm believing about that? 
about my life, about you, about, um, you know, why, I, why don't I have peace or why, why am I not someone that's gentle? Why do I lack self-control? And let's just ask him. Father, we, we want to be um, we want to be the church in the community. Father, we want to, to be the people that bring your sacredness into our society around us. We want to carry your presence. We want to change the atmosphere wherever we go. We want to walk in the fruit of your spirit. We want that to be so evident in our lives. And so, Father, if there's any area where, where we're lacking, where we're lacking in love, where we're lacking in joy, if we're lacking in peace or patience or kindness or goodness, or faithfulness or gentleness or self-control, Father, would you show us what it is that's stopping that fruit from growing so that we can deal with it even now? What lies have we been believing? Father, I thank you that, that it is fruit, that there's no striving or stressing, there's no, no trying to do it ourselves. It's about allowing it to grow. So Father, just show us clearly now as we just spend a few moments in your presence just asking you this question. And if you get, you know, like, if there is somewhere, uh, an area, and you talk to God about it, and then he shows you what the truth is, write the truth down. Thank you for listening to the iDestiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.